This episode is brought to you by Luminate. What on earth is that, you ask? It's everything. Think of it as a digital cafeteria for your spiritual life. So much food. It's got audiobooks, stories, testimonies, all recorded by the smoothest of voices. The production quality is through the roof. And you can actually even listen to this podcast on that platform. So download Luminate now and feast. I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That, a show that explores the motivations of biblical characters and how their choices can guide yours. I personally feel as though the phrase power couple is thrown around too lightly. Nowadays, if you get married, y'all are a power couple. And sure, there's some truth to that if we're in Christ, but if everyone is a power couple, then no one is. But, well, without further ado, I would like to introduce you to a power couple. You already heard one half of them in your most recent episode on Elijah with Calandra Williams, and in this episode, we're completing the set with Pastor Trey Williams, her husband. Trey grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. His background is in healthcare and business, but his passion, his passion is in sharing the Word of God. His sermons, actually even just his prayers, are spirit-filled, punchy, they're gospel-centric, just as they should be. Come to think of it, today's character and focus was that way too, until he wasn't. And then he really wasn't. It's a shame when things work out like that. All of that potential lost. And where do we see more potential than in Israel's first king? Young, pious, self-doubting, a warrior, a man who at one point himself was after God's own heart. Everything you'd want in a leader. He even had the good looks. But what is any of that worth? if you don't even know how to listen. Even in, even by today's standards, beauty is celebrated. Mm-hmm. You know, more doors seem to open yeah. the better looking you are, which is probably why I meet a lot of locked doors. But... <laughs> Um, <laughs> but, but no, but you know, but yeah, but this, 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 this man, this young man is, is more handsome than mm-hmm. all of Israel. That's the equivalent of, of, you know, someone, the Bible saying that Dean is the most handsome man in all of the United States mm-hmm. because Israel is the country. Right. And he's the handsomest. And Israel's next top, next top model. You see, Israel's next top model. There you go. And so, you know, so he's the, the most handsome man in the country. He's also head and shoulders taller than everyone else, mm-hmm. you know. And so there's this sort of this, this affirmation of the beauty of this man, right. you know, coming from this small place. And 
and he has no idea what's about to happen to him about it or how his life is about to to change yeah. but it's interesting you know when i was looking at his name and the origin of his name um his his name is derived from the hebrew word shawl uh which means axed mm. you know and asked means to to beckon for to to request and down the line we see that he becomes the king because israel asks for a right. king and it gives us these these attributes not necessarily because i think that god is saying you're a better leader if you're tall right or you're a better leader if you're good looking but rather the people are themselves asking for a leader and for people that have never been led by a visual representation of their god they've had prophets they've had judges but they've never had a king you know someone that they could look at and be like that's the guy that we're following i think these are the things that they're looking for they're saying well he he needs to be stronger than us and he needs to be you know taller and more imposing than us and he needs to be and even in terms of his looks he needs to be someone that we can aspire to and so i think these are more the um the people's attributes of what a leader looks like then god saying you're going to have to be these things if you want to if you want to lead mm. that is so true you know and it's interesting how oftentimes such superficial attributes are the undoing of many people mm. you know yeah. sometimes beauty the attention the notoriety it's too much for people mm-hmm. and it causes all of these other you know, portals to open that you fall into and you don't even realize it, how it can also sort of be a bit of a hindrance, Yeah, absolutely. you know? And so you're absolutely right. And so, yeah, so we have Saul here who is, who has these, these attributes and he's young, you know, and, um, Israel right now is a fractured nation. Mm-hmm. They don't, they, they, no one is on the same page. There's no centralized form of government. It's run by, you know, judges and, and people who have other jobs. And, you know, uh, Samuel is a judge and they, they don't have a king. And they're looking around mm. at all these other nations and they, you know, saying to themselves, why don't we have a king? Right. You know, why aren't we like other nations? And, you know, I guess it's human nature to, to, to look on Instagram mm. and see how other people are doing, mm. you know, and say, why? I want some of that. I want some of that. Look how beautiful they that looks. Look how great that looks. And I can only imagine how offensive that must be to God. Mm. You know, Israel is God's, you know, his chosen people. And all he's ever wanted was to be reconciled to Israel. Yeah. You know, he's, you know, and, and here they are asking for a king and, you know, Samuel is, you know, God says, listen, don't think that they're rejecting you. Yes, you're, you're the judge. You're doing a, a good job, but they're rejecting me. You know, I'm the one that brought them out of Egypt. I'm yeah. the one that does these things. But you know what? Let's just give them what they want, you know. And, and, and that's how we end up here with, with, uh, with Saul. And, you know, this kind of starts this path of okay, we'll choose this this young man to lead the to lead us to lead this nation, and so it's interesting to see how Saul evolves. Mm. You know, very often we don't even realize that a, that our calling is is in route. Mm. 
you know. Uh, Saul didn't know that Samuel was coming, you know, that he was going to meet Samuel. You know, he didn't know that that there would that there would be that interaction. He just thought he was following his father's orders, his dad, right. you know, he's going to look for this this donkey that has gone missing. And because he's being obedient to his father's command, he ends up, you know, running into Samuel and God tells Samuel that Saul is that my next king is on his way. And God has already preordained or predestined all of these things to come to fruition. And here we are, you know, and it, I found that to be extremely encouraging because it oftentimes, you know, sometimes we wonder if we're on in God's plan. Mm. You know, we wonder if we're in agreement or in alignment with his plan. We have no real idea of what God is doing just outside of our, our scope mm-hmm. where he's aligning things. And all we have to do is be obedient and be in position, mm-hmm. you know. Not to say that Saul was perfect or he had it all figured out, but there was this amazing blessing coming his way, and all he had to do was be obedient. And that's really what this story comes down to. Can you be obedient? Obedience, obedience, obedience. So um, I find it extremely interesting. And so the story goes on where um, Samuel um, talks to Saul and he anoints Saul with oil and, you know, pronounces him that he will be the next king. First um, Samuel chapter 10 and verse 9, and it says, And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. And skipping down to verse 9, and it says, And it was so. And when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all of those signs came to pass. So... God had already changed Saul's heart. He gave mm-hmm. him another heart. You know, that's a prayer that we see David pray later. Mm-hmm. Lord, creating me a clean heart, renew a right spirit. Before we can begin to serve God, there's this heart transplant that has to take place. You know, um, asking God for a new heart, is it's like saying, give me a new personality, mm-hmm. give me new desires. Help me to want what you want. Help right. me to be the person that you want me to, because in my natural state, I'm going to mess this thing up. I think that that can be the most crippling fear. It's not the fear that we won't get what we desire. It's the fear that if we do, we might destroy it, ruin it. We doubt whether we are worthy. And then when God says we are, we're afraid that we'll prove him wrong. I want to remind you of a promise that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a strong mind. 2 Timothy 1.7 If God has called you to something, go for it. Move forward in faith and trust that he alone can keep you from falling, that he can fulfill in you everything he has promised in his word. Now we have where, you know, Saul has, he's given himself to the Lord and he's prophesying and he's doing all of these amazing things, you know, and he's also a ready warrior. Like mm-hmm. he's really proficient in battle, which is extremely important. Yeah. Um, if you're going to lead a, lead a country. And at the time, this was sort of a peaceful time, but at the same time, the Philistine, Philistines were always lurking, you know, mm-hmm. always causing, raising havoc, you know. And so um, chapter 11 
uh, 1 Samuel just kind of talks about how, Sa how Saul goes in and he defeats Nahash of Ammon. And um, so we can see that he's, he's a capable warrior. And mm -hmm. now the time has come for Samuel to introduce him to the leadership and say, hey, listen, this is the person that God has chosen. Right. You know, this is his sort of inauguration. Yeah. Right. And I love Saul's re response. This just shows his humility. Mm -hmm. uh, in 921, and Saul answered and said, am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Mm -hmm. Wherefore then thou speakest so to me? You know, there's, 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 that's such an admirable characteristic, the humility, the, 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 the inadequacy mm. that I'm sure you felt it, I felt it, where the Lord has called us to do something or speak before some body of people or something. And it's like, Lord, I can't, uh, me? Right. Me with my with my, you know, my background and my education or, you know, where I come from, me. And I just think that that, that just celebrates how God looks at us. Mm. You know, he looks at us for who we can be, mm. not necessarily what we are. Right. Saul was humble. He was lowly, even though he had these out, you know, these, these external attributes in his heart, he was small. And I believe that that's why God chose him. You yeah. know, there was that there was no arrogance. God and can see the potential. He can see the potential, you know, and uh, God deals with potential. And that's so reassuring because, you know, um, we all have potential. We all have potential. But when we place it in the hands of God, he, he can do some amazing things with us. And I think I think what's what is what else is encouraging is we all have potential mm -hmm. and we all have baggage. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we carry both of those things. Mm. We carry the baggage and yet we also have that the capacity to to change, to be different, to be better, to be more than our baggage. Mm. And I, I do think that, you know, sometimes it feels and, and it's wrong to feel this way, but you feel it nonetheless. Um, it almost feels like God looks at the baggage. Mm. And I think it's because we look at the baggage, sure. and so we just we assume God looks at the baggage right. because yeah. we recreate God in our image. Mm. Um, but it, it really it is reassuring, you know, to to be able to go to someone and for them to know exactly what your past looks like, mm. and for them to just consider your potential. Because sometimes I feel like, you know, when, you, when you're when you're entering into relationships, whether they be platonic or romantic, you you know that eventually the conversation is going to come up where you're going to talk about what you did before or what your life mm -hmm. looked like or who you were with, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And there's that thought, well, how much should I say? Because what if they reject me? You know, what if they don't see the good attributes and they just they see the tarnished parts and they think, I don't want to take that on. And yet God never does that. Mm. You know, God God sees the baggage and says, but I know what you can be, and that's enough. Wow. And that's enough. Isn't that something? I think in our humanity, it can be hard to wrap our minds around yeah. that. But when we make it, make it practical, it's almost like someone who enjoys restoring old vehicles. Mm. You know, you look at this 
rusted out junkyard, you know, um, piece of scrap metal. And you look at it and you say, man, what it could be. Right. You know, you don't say uh, that could never be restored. You actually mm-hmm. look at it as a challenge. Yeah. And I think that God looks at it as, as a challenge. It's like, man, in my hands, mm. oh, my goodness, man, I can make you better than you ever were, yeah. you know. And so that's it's so exciting. And when we consider those when we consider how vast, which I'm finite minds are really, really poor at doing, how vast the love of God is for his children. Mm-hmm. We can't conceptualize, we can't really understand it. It's, yeah. it's it's beyond our comprehension, you know? And so we see a little bit of Saul's um, insecurity uh, mm-hmm. in chapter 10 uh, at 21. It says that uh, when he... Uh, speaking of Samuel, and when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families and family of Matri was taken and Saul, the son of Kish was taken and they sought him and he could not be found. So here we have the next king hiding. Mm-hmm. They're looking for him. They want to see who this the chosen son is mm-hmm. and he's hiding. And again, this speaks to his humanity where the weight of the moment was terrifying. Mm. The magnitude of the calling was intimidating. Mm. And it's a bit of a, I won't call it a red flag, but it kind of is. It kind of <laughs> is, you know, because it's like, wait, this is, is that the introduction that you want mm. when, you know, um, just imagine, you know, when, you know, our presidential, you know, inauguration here and, He's hiding behind the podium, you know, whoever he is. And it's just like, is this the guy? Yeah. You know, and uh, so we saw that he was a little bit on shaky legs and it just didn't disqualify him. But it just showed that he was extremely terrified and and he had a lot of fears that would plague him, you know. Yeah. And I think it's one thing to to come from a position of humility, mm-hmm. as we've seen before, like me, like you can use me. But when the calling comes Mm. and when God says, yes, you, at that point, I think humility beyond that is false humility. Mm. Humility to the point where I know God has called me, but I'm still like me. Mm. You know, this is God's going to do this through me. And he's already said he would. Mm. At that point, it's almost like you're looking for attention now. Mm. Like God has called you, go do it. Mm. You know, stop standing around saying, really? Like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that he's chosen Mm -hmm. me to do this. Mm -hmm. I think with Saul here, it's like, yes, we've seen aspects of of his humility. But at this point, I think the humble thing to do is to stand up and to walk out there Mm. as what God has called you to be. Mm. That's humility. You know, Mm. humility isn't shyness. Humility isn't, doubting that God can do what he said he would do. Humility, I think in Saul's position here, you come out, you stand before the people, Mm. admit your unworthiness, admit that maybe you're not as capable as you would like, Mm. but stand there in confidence Mm. in God. Mm. I think that's where sometimes the two get mixed up. You know, it's almost like we think that if you're going to be a follower of God, then that confidence that you have, Mm. that has to go. Mm. And I think, yes, the self-confidence, the confidence that I've got this in my own strength needs to go. Mm-hmm. But there also needs to be that holy boldness. There needs to be that mm-hmm. spiritual confidence that God is with me and I'm going to go forward with him. Mm. Isn't that it? Isn't that it? Like, you know, trusting 
him and not in yourself. And as long as you do that and you follow that path, you'll be fine. But it is, it's that self-confidence that is oftentimes our our undoing, mm. you know. That's that's very true. Yeah, we, we, we definitely have to be careful about that. Um, and so we see Saul is eventually, um, you know, installed as the king and the people are, you know, at first they're, they're sort of reticent to accept him because he comes from this small tribe. And yet, because of his proven record at, in military battles and things like that, he, you know, he starts to, to get their confidence, which is, which is fantastic. But we see in chapter 13 the very, the very first sort of change in Saul mm. that takes place because now, you know, Saul has, Saul is, is ready to, uh, to attack, you know, he's ready to to um, to approach the Philistines with the, with his men of battle, and and uh, Samuel has just asked him to wait, mm-hmm. just wait until he returns. You know, he said, "I'll be back. Don't do anything when I come back. You know, we, we'll make a sacrifice and then go from there." But Saul, at this point, he's had these these small victories, yeah, and the people are you know starting to recognize how 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 awesome he is, and he's. Remember, he's handsome, you know, and he's tall. And I'm sure that the, the, the young ladies were probably had songs written about him, you know. And remember, David hadn't come along. So Saul has slayed his, his thousands, you know. There is no other, there is no side beat to that song yet, you know. And so he starts to, you know, replace God with himself, mm-hmm. you know. And he forgets that there's an order and there's a there's a there's a way to go about things and and it's the priest's job to intercede and to make the sacrifice and to to petition the lord before going mm-hmm. in and he assumes this role in his arrogance you know in his arrogance he steps into the place of samuel and so this is the first time that we see uh where he's rebuked right and so uh it's chapter 13 beginning at verse eight. So it says, and speaking of Samuel, and he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. And Samuel said, what hast thou done? And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered from me and that thou camest not within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash, therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself therefore and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be the captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. It's very easy to look at Saul in this situation and judge him. Mm -hmm. Why would you not wait for Samuel to return? You know that God is faithful. You know that Samuel is his servant. Why would you not wait? But 
all throughout the course of history, even in, in, the, in Scripture, we see that there's something about waiting on God that is the great divide for mm. people. There is, there is a, a filtration process that happens that the Lord uses when, with waiting. Mm. You know, Abraham had to wait, you know, before— a hundred years, man, you know, and it's like, you know, Lord, we're getting older. Sarah's getting older. Right. And we're still waiting. Mm. You know, um, the children of the children of Israel being in captivity and or Moses being up on the mountain or there's just something about waiting that truly shows us our character. Waiting on God can be extremely hard. Mm. And, I, you know, I know that there's been times where I've prayed and I, in my mind, I kind of already know what I want the answer to be. Mm. And if the Lord doesn't answer me right away, I kind of lean in the direction that I wanted to go anyway. And oftentimes it doesn't work out, you know. And so Saul, in his haste, in his, again, fear, what did he say? He said, the Philistines are gathering upon us. They're close. And I don't even think, I don't even think that weight is that even is that even a word nowadays? Like, <laughs> right? That just seems so countercultural. It's almost like a pruning device mm. for faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you say you believe. You say you believe that that I have you. Okay. Then wait. Like show me mm. that you believe. Because I mean, what is faith if if after every moment, after every time I pray, I receive the thing immediately? Mm. It just becomes like a a, a product itself. You know, so I just true. need I just need some faith, and then I'll get this also. Mm. And, and and I really appreciate you know what you're bringing out there is that God is not asking Saul to wait arbitrarily. He's not saying he hasn't told Samuel you know wait over there until Saul makes the mistake, and then show up. He's saying this man needs patience. He needs trust, and the people need to see. He trusts me because otherwise God isn't just giving them a king. He's giving up Israel. He's saying, you know, it's, it's all yours then. Yeah, right. But in actual fact, he said, you have a king, but I'm still above him. And so Saul here has to demonstrate in his waiting that he is still subservient to God. And I think what he does here when he steps out is he steps into the place of God because he's king. And at times he's been prophet. But God has never asked him to be priest. Mm. And when you look at that threefold ministry, it's Christ's. Christ is prophet, Christ is priest, and Christ is king. Mm -hmm. Saul here, prophet, yes. King, yes. Mm. But no priest. You're not God. Mm. You know, and there needs to be that distinction between the two. Mm. And so God is essentially saying, wait and show me that you know that. And Saul says, I can't. Mm. Wow. You know... Faith is a a spiritual muscle that has to be exercised. Mm -hmm. And as you said, if if everything was absolutely instant, then you don't develop that muscle. It's not a torture method for God when he tarries. You know, faith is the foundation Mm -hmm. of everything, of our entire spiritual walk. It is the foundation of our faith. And so when God has us in 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 a waiting um phase as you said it's pruning us it's 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 causing us to to be still and that's the hardest thing in the world and 
Saul struggled with being still. And again, his fear was creeping up because he's worried about what's on the other side and he wants to do something quickly. That one decision cost him everything. You know, his inability to wait on God cost him his kingdom, you know, and to put it in today's terms, how often do we get out in front of God, make a, our own decision, and it completely shifts the trajectory of our lives, mm -hmm. whether it's choosing where we go to school, whether it's choosing our mate, you know, whether it's choosing um, where we live. Mm -hmm. We make all of these decisions because we don't want to wait on God, and it completely strips us of the blessing God had in store. Now we live in the wrong state. We're married to the wrong person. We went to the wrong school. We got the wrong degree. Completely off course, one decision. Mm -hmm. One decision changed everything. So what if you can prophesy? So what if you can perform healings and you can preach people right into the baptismal pool? Paul said that you can have all of that, but if you don't have love, you have nothing. And God defines the way that he is loved. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. You cannot love God if you're not listening to him. You cannot truly serve God if you don't choose to first obey him. Listen, trust, obey. I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That. Speaking of listening, listen to this. The Why They Did That store is officially up and running. Now I know you're sitting there and you're all clad in the armor of God, but what if that armor had a nice Why They Did That t-shirt on top of it, huh? That's right, t-shirts, hoodies, stickers. We've got stickers of every guest from this season just waiting for you to take them home. We've even got today's guest, Trey Williams. He's just sitting there waiting for you to put him on your laptop or your water bottle. The store is live. We're doing free shipping for now too to help this thing get going. So click the link below in the show notes or visit wtdtpodcast.com forward slash store and hopefully we'll see you there. History shapes identity. Identity shapes mission. And a clear mission determines the trajectory of your future. Knowing where you come from is key to understanding your present purpose and your future mission. Lineage Journey is a series of videos that will take you on a journey through time, discovering the key people and events that have shaped the Christian faith. From the Waldenses to Martin Luther to Zwingli, from England to France, Switzerland to Germany, the light broke over the horizon of Europe, piercing through the dark ages and then spread out over the world. As the United States of America rose to supremacy, Christianity formed the bedrock of this great nation. And so from the Great Awakening to the Great Disappointment and beyond, lineage follows the journey of God's church throughout time, immersing you in the places, the stories, and the people through whom Christianity has shone the brightest. Join us on a journey through time. Follow us on social media at Lineage Journey or check out our website at lineagejourney.com. Saul's ability to listen to God, and I guess I could say 
to even just ask him things before acting was lacking. I mean, some of his story is downright crazy. He was going to kill his own son for eating some honey after he literally won a war for his country. Beyond that, God then calls him to go and slay all of the Amalekites, every single one of them, leave none of them behind for the cup of their sins was overflowing, God says. And so Saul goes in there, conquers them, kills almost all of them, but once again decides to do things his own way and spares King Agag. Of course, Samuel shows up and rebukes him and Saul has endless excuses. It was because of this and that. Look, Saul, own it, own it. Setting God's will aside for your own is the greatest act of pride that we can choose to make. And those who refuse humility before God will always end up being humiliated. God is no fool and you cannot carry the mantle. You cannot say you work for God and that you're a minister for God and then just do whatever you want. Guys, God wants obedience and he wants it far more than he wants our sacrifices, far more than he wants our offerings. Obedience. He that hath an ear, let him hear. So Saul says in uh, chapter 15, verse 24, and Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy word because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected thee from being king over Israel. You know, that was the, the end of it. You know, that mm -hmm. was sort of the nail in the coffin for, for Saul. And we read about how Samuel mourned yeah. Saul, you know, and sticking to this this whole concept of wasted potential, you know, there's a ripple effect when we don't live up to the expectations that not only God has for us, but our our family has for us. You know, there's people who depend on us to do what we're supposed to do and 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 work hard and aspire and you know, because not only was Saul letting Saul down, but he was letting down the entire nation, you right. know, and he was letting the he was letting Samuel down, and he was letting God down. So there's this ripple effect that we have to take into consideration with our decision making. Yeah, and I think that sometimes it is an oversight in that we feel like although we know in reality that no one is an island, mm -hmm. sometimes I feel like we like to rationalize our own decisions by fooling ourselves into thinking that they only affect us. Mm. You know, if I'm, if I want to start drinking and I, and that leads me, that's just on me, you know, that doesn't affect this person or that person. Like, um, especially in, in, in today's society where it feels like my decisions only influence me. So don't tell me what I should do and what I shouldn't do because it's my body. I'm a, I'm gonna do it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, but at the same time, it is right to caution someone when they start to pick up alcohol mm -hmm. because, you know, years down the line, that could be the reason why some innocent person is now has, has lost their life. Mm -hmm. Someone's family has 
lost someone that they love, mm -hmm. your decisions don't just affect you. Mm -hmm. And this idea that, you know, especially, and I work with young men, um, more specifically, where you see an abundance of potential. You see how quick they can learn things because their brains are just, you know, sponges just going crazy yeah, taking right. in everything and you're like wow you can do that so well and you can do that so well and, and there's all of this potential and yet at the same time you see the things that they have in their life that are going to hurt them in the future and it's my job to to step in and be that that little alarm mm. that voice of caution in the wind that says Hey, if you continue on this trajectory, mm -hmm. this is where you're going to get up. And sometimes I met with with those claims. Well, you know, if 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 I don't use this gift, then only I miss out. You know, I don't get the benefits. And it's like, no, that's that's not exactly right. Like your son plays piano, for example, mm -hmm. he plays amazingly well. Mm -hmm. If he was to decide, actually, I don't want to do this. It doesn't interest me anymore. You know, maybe that's just his choice. But then, who knows? down down the road how many people he could have reached with that gift absolutely and it's like no you, your potential and even your own choices are not just about you you may have autonomy mm. but that doesn't mean that you can be reckless mm. and that's i think a key trait of Saul here is that he's reckless mm -hmm. he's had all of this potential all of you know the the, the fame and the acclaim to the point where now He's not just lost it. He's a shadow of what he was. Mm. And even in this confession, mm. it's not even a confession. Mm -mm. He's upset because he knows the consequences of his decisions. And that's why Samuel doesn't take heed. Because mm. we spoke about him owning it. Like, mm -hmm. own it. Mm -hmm. And here, mm -hmm. he owns it. Right. Right. But he's not owning it because, you know, his heart is broken, that he's broken the heart of God. Mm -hmm. Or that he's let his people down. He's owning it because he's like, if I take responsibility now, then maybe they'll let me keep my position. Mm. And Samuel's like, he doesn't even acknowledge it. Mm. He's like, you have not listened to the voice of God. You don't get it. You don't get it, you know, and you're absolutely right, you know. And, you know, even going back to the, the initial call of Saul, when Samuel called him, as we as we read, you know, he said, you know, me. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm small. I'm from the smallest tribe. And he starts to name all of these reasons why he's, he's, you know, not qualified to be king. You know, God will have a plan for our lives. But before he places us in, in the position that we desire, we're like sort of in this training, you know, in this in this like um, preparation period, mm -hmm. you know. And so Saul should have used his time before being exalted to the throne. Those those were the times to to develop his faith in God. Mm -hmm. Those were the times to to have a real relationship with him and have real communion with him and 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 stand on him so that when his opportunity presented itself, he would have had the character that would have sustained him, you know, but he never developed those things before the call came. Mm -hmm. You know, so in our in our waiting phase and in our pretend, you know, as we're developing and, and we have all of this potential, we should be working on the skill sets that we that we should have in place because the time will come when our number will be called. And if we're not ready for the moment, then we won't be able to, to, to survive it, you know? And Saul, 
like you said, it was a false humility. He, oh, what have I done? Oh, I made my mistakes. But you can even see after that, he's, he continues to do the same thing, yeah. you know? And it's like, so right, very early on, we should be working on developing the character before God presents us with an opportunity that we're just not ready for. He just wasn't ready for it. And he, and, and, and it's unfortunate because, like I said, he had everything that he needed, yeah. you know, including the buy-in of Samuel, and he just squandered it. And I think that one thing that this really speaks to me about is when Samuel comes to him, he doesn't come and say, you're a bad king. Right. It's not working. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's implied. Sure. <laughs> but the point that he brings out is you have not listened to the word of God. Mm. I think that's so key because... And when we see, you know, a little bit later in the story where God chooses David, in that process, he says, man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. Mm -hmm. And the way that I understand that is God is telling us that we are to be led by our ears and not by our eyes. Mm. When you look at the calling of Saul, the people are attracted to him because of what they can see. They haven't really heard anything yet. Mm -hmm. They haven't heard, you know, God specifically say, this is the guy. Mm -hmm. He hasn't necessarily been chosen um, at that point. And we get, you know, to the end of the story. And the one thing Samuel picks out is you're not listening. It looks like you're the king. Yeah. It looks like when you perform the sacrifice that you're doing what's right to the eye. Yeah. But if you were listening to the voice of God, yeah. then you wouldn't have... You wouldn't have done that. You see this even in the story of uh, Jacob mm -hmm. when he goes to his father and, mm -hmm. and Isaac is saying, it sounds like Jacob, but it feels like Esau. Mm -hmm. And again, it's like you're you're trusting what you can feel and what you can see over what you can hear. There's no way that the voice could have been replicated. Mm -hmm. So when we get here, um, I think this is just another another way that God is saying to us that what you can hear from me is far more important than what you're going to be able to see. Mm. When he says that we walk by faith and not mm. by sight, he's saying we walk by our ears. Mm. We walk by what we can hear from God mm. and not just what we can what we can see from from the world. So when God mm. says that he's looking at the heart, mm -hmm. he's looking at those who mm. will follow mm -hmm. based on hearing the word of God. Absolutely. And, and, and once you make that decision, let it be a decisive one, mm. you know, because Saul going back to with the, with the uh, Amalekites, you know, he was asked to destroy everything. How often has God said, I need you to get rid of that mm. thing. I need you to give that thing up and, and not just a little bit. I need you to utterly wipe it all out, wipe out whatever that idol is in your life. I they're not, there should not be any remnants of it at all. Right. And he wavered. It was not a decisive action, right? Because he spared the best things. And Samuel comes to him and he says, what's this that I can hear? What's this bleeding of sheep that I'm hearing? So even Samuel's like, it's not even about what you're seeing. So what am I hearing? What am I hearing here? You haven't obeyed. You have not obeyed, right? To the, to, to the strictest of, of God's word, you know? And God, there's stuff, there's stuff that we put before God every single day that's going to cost us the kingdom, going to cost us eternity, stuff, things that God has asked us for. And I love how Samuel, while it's a bit graphic, Samuel, 
you know, takes out the sword and Agag is, you know, he's surely, surely death has passed from the, you know, Samuel doesn't even live, just like you killed everyone else. And then he's, you know, he, he cuts chops him up, up, chops him up into pieces. Yeah. And it's like, that's a decisive action, you know, and, and, and that's the way it is when Jesus was calling the disciples, come follow me. And they, they get up and they follow. And, and it's, it's when we linger, it's when we, when we, when we, you know, Saul made the mistake of lingering and making excuses for why he needed to keep certain things. And, you know, we have to be decisive. And, and once we have made our minds up to follow the Lord, come what may, stick to the blueprint, stick to the plan, yeah. you know, and it's um, that's something to pay attention to for sure. I think when God speaks mm. clearly, yeah, hesitancy is sin. Mm. You know, like mm -hmm. when you know that's the voice of God, to stop and start asking questions at that point, that's a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith. You know? And I so agree. he's asking us to be to be Minutemen. When you hear my voice, you act. Mm. And for Saul, it was like, you're hearing my voice, you're not acting. Now you're not even gonna hear my voice anymore. And that's what happened. Saul stopped hearing from God, you know, and in his decline, do you remember when they, they're finally up against the Philistines and Gath? Um and how <laughs> He's, you know, he's a king and he's afraid to fight Goliath. Mm. If all of your men in your camp are afraid, surely the king will step forward, you know? But again, we just see all those cracks, those red flags along the way. And here he is just as afraid as everyone else. Mm. And you got this lowly David who has, who's made a decisive decision, who's been developing his character out in the wilderness with the sheep, right? Building his potential. So by the time this, this uncircumcised Philistine shows up, he makes a decisive action. Who is this blaspheming in the name of our Lord? That's what a king does. Decisive action, cultivated character, and trust in God to hold us where we can't hold ourselves. Mm. Those are the traits that God is calling us to. And so God is decisive. God is very decisive, but he's also merciful, right? right. He's also merciful and praise the Lord for mercy. And he's, he's decisive in the sense that he says, well, my spirit is going to David now and, mm. and I've taken it from Saul. Mm. And I think that, you know, when we look at, if, if we were to pull back mm -hmm. and look at the big picture of our own choices, which God gives us yeah. that ability to choose. If you knew that the choices that you're making now are going to result in a day when God says, I am removing my spirit from you. Mm. Mm. It's heavy. You know, yeah. like, think about that, mm. you know, like, let, let your mind go there for a bit when, when you're, when you're in the valley of decision and when temptation has come and you're like, oh, should I, should I not? Is it, is it worth it? Are the effects going to be lasting? Can I just do it and get away with it? You know, grace abounds. Mm -hmm. Ask yourself that, like, are you willing for at the end of all of this? for God to say, I'm taking my spirit from you and I'm going to give it to someone else. Mm. Man, that's a, that's, um, that's a, that's a very vulnerable, empty feeling, you know, and with Saul, when the Lord did take his spirit from him, it's interesting how his, his the troops, his command, they still followed him. They didn't know yet, you know? And so it's dangerous to still think you're doing the work of God, knowing that the spirit isn't there. Mm and you're still moving forward, you're not hearing from God, 
you know, and it happens all the time. People who profess to be followers of God. And because we oftentimes don't have our own personal walk with God, we follow this individual, this pastor, this ministry, this, and the spirit has been departed, mm -hmm. right? So that's why it's extremely important to have our own relationship with the Lord so that we can hear because everything would be in harmony and everything would be, you know, according to the word. But when we don't spend time with the word of God, when we have rebelled, when we're in sin, then the people that we follow, we won't know the difference. And they could be leading us into destruction, yeah. you know, and uh, yeah, the, the spirit had departed from Saul. And you could tell the stark difference because the spirit was with David and Saul knew it. Mm -hmm. And there's a, there's a difference when you have the spirit versus when the Lord's spirit has departed. I've been there, faking it, pretending that just because you're ministering, you're a minister. Just because you're sharing the word of God, you must have a relationship with him. And yet deep down, I was dead. Spiritual heartbeat, flatline. And you can try all the CPR you want, right? You can go to the events and you can listen to uplifting music. You can download this podcast, all 50 episodes if you want, and just say, oh, I'll listen to this and this will get me back on track. Friends, nothing, nothing can bring life to your soul but Jesus. Nothing can quicken your spirit like drawing close to God in humility, confessing your sins and letting him come into your life. Go to Calvary, friends. Look at his sacrifice, reach out and touch the holes, smell the sweat and blood dripping from his brow and know that this was all for you. Or try and be your own God. Try and work it all out yourself just like Saul. Preach for God, cast out demons, heal people and then meet him. And instead of hearing those words, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into my rest, you get the other words. Depart from me workers of iniquity. I never knew you. The gifts you have, the talents, the amount of potential you have to serve God is irrelevant if you do not sit under him at his feet and follow his words over your own. I have always felt as though the Lord had his hand on me from a very young age. Mm. You know, um, I remember being five, four and five years old and they'd have children's story at church and, you know, and, um, you know, they allow the kids to pray and I'd go up and I'd pray and all the adults would come up to me after, oh, you're going to be a preacher one day. You're going to mm. be, you know, because it wasn't just bless mommy, bless daddy. It was <laughs> Lord, let your spirit reign, you know, all this. Kind of, I don't know. So, you know, so, so. It was almost like it was spoken into me very young, you know, and um, and and it and it I didn't really understand it or know, you know, what it meant. But I do know that I was um, that God had something in store for me that made me feel different It made mm. me feel unique. You and had that sense of calling. I did. I did. I had that sense of calling to to purpose and to ministry in some aspect, you know, and I didn't know if it was pastoring. I knew that there was a call there. The potential was mm. there. Right around 15, 16, all of this potential that had been cultivated and my father, he was extremely spiritual and we'd have Bible studies and things like that. All of that groundwork had been done, but now I'm at the age where I can make some of my own decisions. And it began to show that, yes, I had a relationship with the Lord, but it was a lot of it was more surface than I realized. Mm. 
it was an it was a painful reality to see that I wasn't as connected to the Lord as I thought I was. And I was really just imitating, really, um, and saying what people wanted to hear. And, mm-hmm. and um, But when it was up to me, I kind of I went left, you know. And so with Saul's story, I saw how his relationship with God hadn't really taken root. And as he encountered different things along his journey, he made some terrible decisions, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he, he ended up way offshore, you know, floating in the middle of the sea. And I felt like my life was headed that way and it, and it went that way. You know, I ended up, you know, making some awful decisions and, you know, and I saw how with every decision, I, I was further and further away from shore, you know, and hanging out with the wrong people and, um, you know, ended up losing my freedom for a few days. And listen, a few days is all I needed, trust me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and uh, I was a minor, praise the Lord, but, but still, you know, doing things that I knew better. So the seeds have been planted, but the attraction that I received from the to the world was significant, mm-hmm. you know, and more I, than when you were young, probably. more than when I was young, because I was young, it was like I was on autopilot, I was programmed, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, but again, as I got older, it's like, wait a minute, you know, I can kind of do this instead of doing that. And I can go here instead of going there. And it was more fascinating, you know, the allure of it was far more fascinating to me. And, um, and I saw how I was starting to sacrifice the call on my life for, what seemed like fun and what seemed like pleasure and what seemed like joy. And it wasn't, it was none of those things. And, you know, and even to this day, I still have scars and scarring from some of those poor decisions, you know, and I praise God that I'm alive to recognize it and to, you know, try to um, repent and, and change course, you know, because that's always been one of my fears. What if the Lord's spirit departs from me? You know, what if I'm too too far out of reach to be saved? What if my decisions, you know, have disqualified me from eternity? You know, and that's a painful, scary thought. Externally, we can have everyone fooled and fight our own personal battles within. Saul was fighting these battles of insecurity. I know what that's like. You know, Saul was, was, was afraid. I know what that's like. Saul was intimidated and insecure as a grown man. You know what I mean? I can understand being out of sorts and not knowing what to do and feeling like you need to do something. And now you are so off course, you don't even know if, if, if it's salvageable. God recognizes our potential. He recognizes who we can become in his care, in the potter's hands. I'm still in the potter's hands, you know? I don't, I don't intend to keep making decisions that would, would slant me more towards, towards Saul than David. I want to chase after God, seek after God, search me, oh God. If you find anything in me, clean me up. You know, I want that to be my prayer. And I don't want it to be a hollowed prayer like Saul's was. What have I done? Oh, I have sinned, right? It wasn't from a real place of contrition. And so when God shows me these things in my character and these flaws in my character, I'm asking him to give me the power to also surrender it. You know, search me, clean me up, make me whole. You know, and because because I know that what he has to offer is so much better than what the world has to offer. King Saul never saw that. That's why I say it's a cautionary tale. But David did. Mm -hmm. David repented, you know, and 
That's what my story is. It's like, Lord, I've had all of this potential. I've had all of these tremendous opportunities. I've, I've blown a lot. I've made a lot of mistakes. And in my flesh, I want to cower under my past. And I want to hide and I want to feel shame and bury my head in the sand, right? But when God calls us and he cleans us up and he makes us new, we can come boldly before the throne, you know, and we can walk we can walk with full authority knowing that God is with us and he's forgiven us. You know, when I think about what, what, what Paul did and how he was, you know, beating people and killing people and, 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 and destroying lives. And yet he's one of the most prolific writers of the new Testament, you know, and God used him in mighty ways and he used Moses and he used all of these sort of, you know, castaways. Mm. I think he can use me too. You know, I think he, I think there's hope for all of us. He that hath an ear, let him hear. And you've just heard our latest show. If you'd like to hear more or harken back to a previous episode, you can find us now at wtdtpodcast.com. If you've been moved by this ministry through this episode or others, and you'd like to support us financially, you can become a patron. And if you do, you'll get early access to our episodes, discounts on our store, and access to our other podcasts a 40-day devotional podcast designed to kickstart your walk with God. We're calling it WTDT40. If this sounds like something you're interested in, or you just want to support in general, visit patreon.com forward slash WTDT to find out more. As always, please do subscribe, leave us a review, and follow our social media accounts on Instagram, Facebook, and now TikTok too. We'll see you on the next episode. Once again... I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That.